You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. from Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. All right, my friends. Uh, just a quick note. Um, if you don't, if you haven't noticed it, maybe you will notice it. Uh, we used to have a space on the street that our acorns, our littlest members, uh, were able to learn and and uh, grow in the way of the Lord. And uh, we lost that space through no fault of our own. They just made other use of it. So that means they're here. So you'll probably hear my son up there uh, (laughs) calling out. Um, And I know I just want to acknowledge it because it may get distracting, right? Um, But can that be okay? I just have to think that, like, if this God is who he says he is, if he can't speak over a crying child, then we're in trouble. (laughs) But more than that, we have an opportunity to acknowledge that these kids, these little ones, aren't just uh, some some nuisance to be quieted or some things to be shoved away, but they are the littlest members of this church. They are valued, and we are passing on, as the scripture says, from generation to generation, we are proclaiming the goodness of God. And so this is our opportunity amongst us today, okay? Cool. All right. Let's dive in. I'm going to actually start with a question. I hope some of y'all are feeling brave because I have a curious, have a curious question to pose to you, and that's this. Uh, what comes to mind when you think of unity? You know, we're in the eve of celebrating Dr. King and this call to be a unified nation, uh, but I just wonder, and this is open to anyone, when you think about unity What comes to mind? Maybe it's in the church context. Maybe it's outside of it. Speak loudly, but be bold. Anybody, what comes to mind when you think of unity? Equality. What was that, James? Equality. 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 All right. Family. Family. I like it. Dancing together. Dancing together. Ooh, I like that. Shuffle dancing. Go ahead. Connectedness. Okay. Acceptance. I like it. Give me a little more, like what, like, can you give me a little picture, Emily? Small scale, like we have the same page as my neighbors. That's the first thing for Yeah, same page as your neighbor, so everybody knows the music goes off at 10. <laughs> what else? What does unity look like to you? What do you think about? Sacrifice. Being on a team with the same goal. I like this. Responsibility, like shared responsibility. Yep, uh-huh. Get in there and do the dishes. <laughs> How have you seen it? How have you seen unity? Connected 
Kadeji, but how, how, give me like a, give me just like a, is that like, you, did you play sports? Is it like in your work? How have you seen it? Okay, connected, yeah. Somebody else? Coming together. Coming together? I want a, like a real, like a, thank you, Antonio, what you got? Oh, yeah, my man's a preschool teacher over here. Yeah, uh-huh, so you come together. Listen, you against the world. <laughs> How have you seen unity then? Ruby, what does that look like in your life? This is what I'm asking. What does it look like in your life? Okay, your dance team, yes. Everybody's got to be in sync. Okay, I got you. All right. Oh yeah, we used to have a food pantry. We we yeah, we learned the efficiency of a of a what do you call that thing? Assembly, Assembly line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Modern miracle. Yes. Peace. Yeah, so it's like peace for you. Anybody else? Give me a couple more. Right there, remember. Being patient. You looking at this teaching text? <laughs> I got you. That's good. I like it. Yeah. How was? Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and. Mm. Wow, okay, so now we're talking about joining in on burdens and, and holding things together. Yeah. Unity is the reward because Oh, wait, say that again because it sounded poetic. Oh, unity is the reward because we, before we're united, we're divided. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, wow, it's the, it's the, it's the payment. Yeah. Last person, how have you, have you tasted unity in your life? How have you seen it? How have you been a part of it? When, uh, when your team, national team scores in the World Cup. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I saw some of y'all. I'm not a World Cup person, but I saw some of y'all get out of pocket in this World Cup. <laughs> Did you, did someone have a hand up? Yeah. Um, more recently, I saw Big community coming from all these different places, united and helping my kids. Hey, wow. It takes a village. You try to navigate school systems, my soul. That's huge. I love it. All right. I could keep going, but I, I, we got to keep moving. Um, so I referred to this earlier, but maybe you remember in September, uh, as, as a leadership and as a, as a pastoral staff, we were just examining. I know some of y'all are straining your necks. Maybe I should just stand. I'm sorry. I like the stool because I just kind of like have a conversation, but uh, don't want you to go home with a crick in your neck. Um, in September, we just discerned that there was two things that the Lord was giving us an invitation to go deeper into. One was prayer and one was reconciliation. And reconciliation we're also, in a sense, talking about unification, right? Um, and so we started looking at this, this series, Lion and the Lambs. What does it mean to have a biblical framework for finding, finding each other throughout the inevitable offense? You know, as the poet uh, Paul Salon says, the times where the void stood between us and we got all the way back. To each other. What does that really look like? So we 
are continuing that journey as we move through lions and lambs, and then that led us into Advent looking at Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the one who reconciles all things to himself. And now we're coming here into Epiphany, and we're saying, okay, Lord, what does this mean for us? And to do that, we're going to be spending the next six weeks in Ephesians. And to, for today, I just want to give us an intro to some of the things we're going to be looking at and what questions that we're going to be asking. Now, the brief context is this, that in Ephesians, we have this letter written by Paul during his first imprisonment. He's writing it to the early church. Uh, some say Ephesus, but there's some debate that maybe he was just writing this to all believers. And this is a letter that was passed around. Now, in the beginning of this letter, Paul starts off by he's, he's extolling the good work of God. He's giving us this view of the God who's created a union of all things. He says in verse 10, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That is what you have been up to, God. And so there's this work, if you remember, when we talked about our definition of rec reconciliation, it was a forward movement towards the former uh, whole relationships of creation. It was the work of the Father established in the Son, administered by the Spirit. And so Paul is continuing uh, to set up those very themes because he's saying, God, you have made all things to be reconciled in and through Christ. And that is through the power of the Spirit. And so in view of this grand plan of the Trinity, what happens then in chapter 1 is that Paul starts to shift from this view of God into prayer. So he starts in verse 15 and Paul starts to pray. And that happens because when we get a view of the triune glory of God, what we find is community on display. And not just community, but open community so there's space for us. And so that starts to call us into connectedness with the God who created all things. And that conversation, that connectedness, we call prayer. And so whenever we move into this view of God, we come into this prayer, and then as we start to pray, well, the Lord starts to, starts to align our hearts with his. Chapter 1, verse 18 of Ephesians, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. So this view of God leads to this internal dialogue and this eternal starts to change of being. So in the next two, in the next two chapters, chapter two and chapter three, Paul starts to talk about this internal change and he says that he talks through the lens of the Jewish people and he talks through the lens of the Gentiles. Both have been brought together into this new family that God always had a plan for. And so he's following that same path of reconciliation that we talked about in that Lions and Lambs series. A view of God leads to an invitation of connectedness. Connectedness with God leads to an eventual connectedness with oneself. Right? So I become integrated and whole, and I start to see my place in a larger story. But it doesn't just stay there, because this change, this change is nothing if it doesn't get expressed. Faith without works is dead. And so this work has to be expressed. And this is reconciliation. This is unity. And this brings us to Ephesians 4. That's where we're going to be spending the next six weeks in Ephesians 4, and this focus uh, on this call for unity. Uh, probably about six years ago, I was a pastor, I was a uh, church just south of here, and uh, 
One morning I gave this kind of vulnerable, I shared some vulnerable story to the community and uh, in in actually a call for unity in that moment. Uh, It's too long to get into right now, but but it was this vulnerable moment. And then afterwards, as we were receiving people from, for prayer, I was standing up there, and I see this guy, uh, white guy about my age, good-looking guy, and he's just like weeping, right? Um, and like, when you've been pastoring long enough, you kind of know some of the like common themes that people are like going through. And so I kind of probably already had in my head, like, okay, there's probably a couple of things that's going on here. Um, and I was not at all ready for what was going on there. Because um, <laughs> he came to me and he's just like, he's just like heaving. And he kind of just calms down enough to say, and, and, and basically what he had to say was that something in that, that story I shared about myself, that vulnerability I, I gave to our church, had resonated with him, and that was surprising because he didn't think that we were the same. And he said, if I'm honest, this is his words, he says, and I realize that if I'm honest, the reason I didn't think we were the same, it could only be because of your skin color. And then he starts heaving again, and he says, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. If you never want to talk to me again, I understand. I'm like, bro, this is my job, man. I'm the pastor here. I got to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> but no, that, I, my personal experience as a black male in America, um, the confession was not, unfortunately, a unique experience. Um, like, what, what he had done. But the way he was holding it, now that, that was kind of rare. And there was such a genuineness and a move of the spirit that it, it called out to the spirit in me. Now, if he had come at me another way, I don't know what spirit he would have caught. But with a broken spirit and a contrite heart, what came out of me was the recognition for all the times that I have judged others. All the times that I have thought there's nothing that we have in common. I've been there. And so I was able to, I, I was drawn into relationship with him. So I was like, man, we got to, nah, bro, you're not going to get rid of me that easy. Let's go talk this out. I want to hear more. So we ended up going that week to get coffee. And in that coffee, we start sharing our lives. And it turns out we just didn't have this like vulnerable thing in common. We had a lot of different things in common. And next thing you know, we're, we're, we're talking less and less about what brought us there. And we're just shooting the breeze. We're just getting into it. We're like, oh, we should do this again. What you got going next week? And the next week turned into another week. And next thing you know, this guy's not just like my congregant. He's my friend. And next thing you know, he's not just my friend, but he's my good friend. And when we brought our son home, he's one of the first people there to celebrate. When he brought his twins home, I was one of the first people to be able to hold them and anoint them in prayer. And now they've since left the city. 
And distance has separated us, but even as we got on the phone just a couple weeks ago, that bond was still there. What started in conflict has now been a bond of peace. And now we're brothers for life. He probably should have just stayed sitting. <laughs> Paul writes in chapter 4, he says this, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Francis Falk's his commentary on Ephesians, he says that it says the prisoner for the Lord, but a but more astute translation would be a prisoner in the Lord. And I just want to make a couple notes on this passage, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep it moving today. Uh, but that first is that this prisoner in the Lord. This is I think uh, this is monumental. What what Paul is is starting out with here. He's saying, I'm a prisoner in the Lord. He has been imprisoned for his faith. And he's saying that despite my circumstances, I'm still calling you to live a life worthy of the one you have received. This call for unity that we're going to be exploring, well, it's in view of our circumstances. It's not in spite of our circumstances, but in light of them. So it doesn't matter what you're really going through, right? You know, it's always like easy to get along with someone who's like reflecting you back to you. When I first met my wife, she was like, I didn't know this at the time, but she could have a capacity to kind of reflect people back to them. Uh, and so she was I, was, I used to tell my friends, man, she's, we're exactly the same person. <laughs> And if you've seen us, you know that's how untrue that is. <laughs> but I was like, man, she's just like me, and that's the most attractive quality. <laughs> and so we kept going, and we kept going, and then when they said, you know, we're getting married, and, I'm, and slowly I'm starting to realize she don't really like the things I do. <laughs> you know, when you're first dating, you're like, oh, yeah, I like that podcast. I'll listen to it. And then now when she had the ring, it was like, I hate this. <laughs> but we were already married, so what are you going to do, you know? I'm just kidding. No, I would have married her anyway. What I'm trying to say is it can't be the circumstances that make unity a good idea. We're never going to erase 400 years of slavery. another 200 of systematic oppression. So we're going to have to find a way to each other with all that baggage on our backs. That's just race. We can get into gender, sexuality, a whole list of isms. Those things aren't going to go away. So if we're waiting for the bonfire and the kumbaya moment, we will never find unity. And Paul is saying as a prisoner in the Lord, 
I don't really matter. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. We are called to live as eternal people. The only way it makes sense to overlook these circumstances is if you get a bigger view of life, if you realize that this life is but a vapor, but we are eternal beings. So this grudge I've been holding for five years, well, we're living forever. And so that's a long time to carry something. Maybe I should just see what we got to do to figure it out. How do we have an eternal focus? Paul goes on, he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I think Paul is calling us to live as broken people. You don't really need to be humble or gentle or patient or bearing with one another when they're like treating you right. You got to be humble when you know you're smarter than them. You got to be gentle when you want to strangle them or just like grab them really firmly. (laughs) Please go to bed. You got to be patient when they're getting on your last nerve. And you've got to bear with one another when they keep doing that thing you hate. So unity is in recognition that we're broken. And we find unity despite it. So we're called to live as eternal people, live as broken people. We're almost there Next thing is just to live as dependent people. I think this verse is so central to the next six weeks and beyond for us as a community. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace is what Paul says. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. I think this calls us to be a dependent people because one, we find that the unity is not of us, but it is of the spirit. The spirit, the spirit is the one that carries the unity. It's his unity. And he's given it to us, but he's given it to us through the bond of peace. And what this means is the bond of peace means that Will has found peace, Gabby has found peace, Kara has found peace, Ben has found a peace, and I have found a peace. And all together we're like, oh, you got peace too? You got a peace, and I got a peace, and now we got something bigger. And this creates a bond. You've been saved? You're messed up too? Wow. I can just be me in here and figure it out and grow forward in health. This creates that unity. So it's from the spirit. It's rooted in our individual recognition of brokenness and shared need for the spirit. And then Paul just says, just make an effort. You're probably going to fail. It's going to be tough. I'm not asking you to sustain this thing. I'm just saying try. Perfection isn't the goal, participation is. So if we're gonna have unity, we're gonna have to be dependent upon the spirit. 
someone's going to say something out of pocket. Hopefully, well-intentioned. Ill-intentioned, still got to deal with it, but well-intentioned, okay. You didn't mean it, so let's, let's dialogue about how we can make this a healthy space and why the way you frame that can break the bonds of peace. And we're trying to keep the bonds of peace around here. But why? This is one of the last points. Paul says, because there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. That's a lot of ones. Because this is the whole point. It's all, this whole thing is about unity. Jesus says, they will know you are my disciples by what? Your love. We'll come back to that. Your love being just 10 toes down for each other. That's the whole story. This unity through diversity, the family being of one substance, right? We live in New York City and everyone talks about the subway. And they say, wow, New York City is such this melting pot. Like there's, there's, there's millionaires and, and unsheltered people on the subway. But you know what that is? That's not unity. That's a matter of convenience. We're just going in the same general direction. If you lived here, that's not that special. But now I walk into your dining room and I find a millionaire, an unsheltered person, whatever ism you want to put in there, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on in here? How did that happen now? Now that's something beautiful. And that's what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to say, what can bring these disparate people together? It is my breath, my spirit. Well, actually, when, the, when, the, when he comes and sees the dry bones in Ezekiel, Ezekiel, he says, uh, the Lord comes in, he says, he says, hey, Ezekiel, this is what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord of God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And all these disparate bones start coming together and coming to life. This series is called Conspiratio. There's a, a painting, uh, this is a, a clip, but this is the painting. It's by Alonzo Rodriguez. He's a 17th century painter. Uh, and this is his farewell to St. Peter and St. Paul. If you don't know, there's kind of a, a, a tradition within the church that says that Peter and Paul were martyred together. And so this is them. And if you notice, they're in chains and they're about to be led away uh, to their deaths. And what they're doing here is they're sharing a kiss. Actually, they're breathing into each other's mouth. This was called conspiratio. This was integral to the early part of the church. Now, in some, in some cultures, there was always kind of a kiss, but what became unique was that in the early church, these people had this practice of kissing each other. We see it five times throughout Scripture. Paul says, do not forsake, like greet one another with a holy kiss. What is he talking about? There was this practice, and you thought, you thought just saying hello was bad. <laughs> 
where it was a practice that they would greet one another and they would blow into each other's mouth. <laughs> Look it up, conspiratio. <laughs> and it started with just their greeting and their endings, and then it got paired with communion. And so when you took communion, before you came to the table, you passed the breath. And it was a reminder that what brings us here is the Spirit of God in you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and me. That's what binds us, the Spirit of God, the very breath that brings us life. And so we pass it. Conspiratio is our shared life in the Holy Spirit, sharing the breath of the Spirit, sharing in one another's suffering. Emily, I loved your vision of unity earlier, your mom and her sisters caring for their mothers. The reason I love it is because that takes something deeper than what we kind of know. See, there's a shift. In the 12th century, the church shifted from conspiratio uh, into, uh, I always get it wrong, conjuratio. Conspiratio, conjuratio. What conjuratio is, is a band of conspirators. That was about a legal contract. And so what happened now was that the people of God, they made formal contracts to one another. And this is when Paul talks about not dragging each other in before courts. What he's saying is that you moved from the breath to now it was about stipulations, terms, and agreements. And the thing about a contract is, I only want to do what the contract says, no more or no less. And so when you come to me and you say, we got to take care of mom, then I'm like, well, let me, I don't know. Now we're crossing, you know, dotting I's and crossing T's and I'm, I'm getting to the letter of the law. Do I really have to love you? Who exactly is my neighbor? What's the letter of the law? Conspiratio, to be rooted in a breath. What it also allowed us to remember is that our, our baptism is not just of our hearts, it's not just of our minds, but it's of our very bodies. You belong to me. Your welfare belongs to me. Ivan Illich, who's a priest, theologian, philosopher, Canadian, uh, he had this quote, he says, the high point of Christian ritual and ceremony still consists in a communal meal of bread and wine, a symposium. But in the first centuries of Christianity, there was also conspiratio, that is a breathing into each other's mouths. That's what Christians did. They came together to eat and kiss, to kiss on the mouth. And this way they shared the Holy Spirit and became members of a community in flesh, blood, and spirit. We're not going to move to kissing in the mouth. I just want to. <laughs> I know some of you are like, what's the invitation today? <laughs> but I will say this as I wrap up and the band comes back. You know, in a few months, we're going to be rolling out 
a new way of membership in this community. We had something called Covenant Community. Uh, that was disbanded some years ago. And it is important to find some way that we say, like, who are my people here? You know? Who can I really call? My grandmother, you've heard this saying probably from me before. She said that shared joys was double the joys and shared sorrows were half the sorrow. What I am interested in as a leader of this church, I am not interested in building an institution. I'm not interested in any sign on the door. I'm not interested in contracts and stipulations that define how we're gonna relate to each other. What I'm interested in is becoming a people. This city is too tough to go it alone. I want to be known and I want to know. I want to hear my name and I want to say your name. And whether this has been your home all your life, New York City, born and raised, or whether you just got here, what would it look like for the Spirit of God to move among us, increasing the bonds of peace? So that people would walk in here and be like, How, why are all these people together that happened just this past week as we had this prayer room open a woman walked off the street because she saw a sign that said that said there's a place to get quiet or pray and there's room for you and she wandered in and she just kind of looked and was like alright just wanted to see what's going on in here this looks Interesting, maybe I'll come back. Maybe she won't. But it was so interesting to her that maybe there was a space for her. I don't know if you know this, but one of the ways we use this building is to host and subsidize recovery meetings. And we had some people come in here from these recovery meetings and they go, whoa, what's going on in this space? Like, oh yeah, it's like a prayer room. You can like just pray. And they're like, whoa, is this gonna stay? Can this stay? We want to be a part of this, and, and this, you know, one of the ladies, I saw her the next Sunday. She's like, yeah, I, I, I want to come and see what this is about. And she's like, yeah, I took a journal, and now I'm journaling. I'm doing my prayer. She knows that there's a space for her at this table. My goodness, what would happen? It gets me super excited. But please don't be fooled. It is what I'm talking about is it is asinine on a good day it is hard hard work to get your, sto your toes stepped on before I can say your name I have to learn your name some of our names are more difficult than others but could we make every effort That's the invitation. Could we make every effort? You can stand. Here's the beauty of all this. Again, it is the Spirit's work. He provides everything we need. We just got to show up, participate. 
And maybe you think like, listen, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can be in a community. I don't know if I can help bring about what you're talking about. I've got issues and things. I've got more burdens to bring to the table than joys. I'm pretty uncommon. Well, I've got good news. We are moving towards a table made of bread and wine. Soured grapes, some flour and water, some of the cheapest things you can find. And the Lord used that to symbolize what it means to be a part of his family. Because he takes old, soured, easily broken things and he uses them for his extraordinary purposes. And so if you don't feel like if you don't if you don't feel like you're of the stuff to be in community, then that's great. You're exactly the community type. Join this band of messed up people figuring out what it means to love one another. And we do all this fueled and empowered by the broken blood, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. So I'm going to invite our hospitality team members up here. We're going to move towards the table. And we're going to enter the table through the shared prayer. Would you say this with me? Faithful one, we come to your table hung. Oh, well, you need it up there. It's okay. <laughs> I was like, man, I thought y'all were with me. Here we go. <laughs> Out here by myself. Community of one. Okay, let's try that again. Faithful one, we come to your table hungry for a taste of your kingdom. We crave the fruits of your spirit. We long for kindness. We dream of reconciliation. May these ordinary gifts achieve extraordinary purposes in making us one and deepening the bonds of peace. The gifts of God for the people of God come and receive.